0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the ImpactVest podcast, transformative global innovation in a new era of impact. I'm Aisha Williams, the founder and CEO of ImpactVest, and along with our guest host, we aim to inspire and motivate towards collective positive global impact to solve our world's most pressing challenges in sustainability. With each episode, we will engage in insightful conversations with global changemakers, visionaries, and sustainability activists who wish to build a more sustainable and resilient future. Join us now as we create the future of impact.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Aisha Williams. I'm the founder and CEO of ImpactFest, and I'm here with Lee McCormick of My Global Home. Welcome, Lee, to our podcast.
2: Thank you, Aisha. It's great to be here.
1: Great, Lee. So can you tell us a bit about My Global Home?
2: My Global Home is uh, um, maybe it's a little bit misleading. It's not just about the home. It's actually about building intelligence. So we look at how can we make the transition towards net zero in the built environment. How can we actually do that from a perspective where buildings have the capability to understand their performance and you can capture that as a meaningful data metrics and use that in order to then inform how do we design buildings going forward? But then, what about the buildings we've already got? Uh, 58% of them are just not sustainable. How do we? actually bring interventions to them in order to make sure they're on a pathway to that net zero you know how do we decarbonize them and so what what we're doing is creating the you know technology that gets baked into a building it's not like a plug in piece of iot it's actually baked in to the fabric of the building we swap out the distribution board and we have uh, a control system in there basically using a quad four computer. And that enables us to monitor and manage all of the energy throughout the building right down to a socket. And we also uh, monitor the air quality, so the environmentals. This is fundamental because once you understand the building fabric, you understand where it's located, and you understand the external climate, as well as the operational usage from the occupants, then you have a real-time kind of view on the actual performance of a building as opposed to just knowing what the energy metering is you know without the context of what's the climate like what's the building structure made of you don't really have a real insight into its performance so one of the biggest problems out there um is how do we know the upgrades the sustainability upgrades the pathways towards net zero are actually the right ones to deploy because there's no actual measurements going on that give that real context at the moment. And so, my global home, it's the idea behind it was to bring that level of visibility. You know, I, my background is I worked in Formula One, I've worked in healthcare, you know, mainly around product engineering. And it's quite normal to use data to inform innovation so based on the performance of you know a, a car at the weekend on the track all of the sensors we analyze the data that then helps inform innovations for the next race for the next day or even the afternoon in the construction industry in the built environment that just doesn't exist really today not in any meaningful fashion so we're bringing that kind of commercial grade building management system To a level that's scalable and can actually have an impact, you know, right across affordable housing, right the way up to um, premium housing.
1: And that's so important when we're searching for pathways to net zero and looking at the market uh, for the built environment Um, and speaking about the growing market, uh, because it certainly is a growing market uh, when we are looking at the built environment and uh, searching for new pathways. How do you see the growth of this market, we'll say, over the next couple of years?
2: It, it, it's in a massive flux at the moment because there's uh, regulatory regulatory tailwinds basically bringing in um, tougher restrictions for uh, landlords, uh, building operators, forcing the industry to basically become more sustainable. So you have governments looking at um, their stock, their building stock, and seeing how can they introduce regulations to decarbonize the environment because as we know the built environment is the largest single contributor to greenhouse gas emissions by by, i think a factor of four times over any other sector like air, the um air travel so you have the building regulations are increasing so there's regulations coming in right across europe uh america you know globally 2025 is a big milestone and at the moment in the uk for example 58 percent of properties will be ineligible be- to be rented out from 2025 onwards because they're below what's called an epcc rating which is their energy performance certificate um so With that impact of regulation coming in, you're seeing loads of small landlords exiting the market because there's a bottleneck of cost and basically labor to actually upgrade those buildings. So you're seeing assets being downgraded. So, you know, brown assets where they're basically being discounted because they're not actually at that sustainable level. So there's a kind of a flight out of the market from small scale landlords and they're being snapped up by funds that are now appearing and being formed to basically target the distressed assets as we move towards these regulations coming in. And 2025 is just the beginning of this increasing regulation of the built environment. So it's going to become much harder for smaller players to actually stay in the market. Um, You're going to see larger players basically dominate and you know look for distressed assets so it's it's a really interesting push pull dynamic you know you do need to kind of do something to make uh to force the industry to change because otherwise it won't you know that's the reason it's the largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions there's no desire to change everyone would like to just keep it as it is so you have regulation coming in which is actually going to have a massive transformational impact on on the landscape But unfortunately, you could see rents increasing significantly because the availability is going to be uh, reduced. Um, Yeah, there's there's all kinds of dynamics going on that's going to make it uh, a very challenging environment for the small landlords, but leaning more towards larger funds coming in and larger property portfolio owners.
1: And where do you see my global home in this changing landscape in terms of the regulations, in terms of higher rents? It seems like you have such a unique proposition in terms of the net zero pathway. So how are you placed in in terms of the changing landscape?
2: Yeah, so we took um, uh, a different approach to what I would say is the dominant smart building, smart home, intelligent building uh, technology approach. So most of them are combinations of IoT devices kind of light touch plug-in devices uh, and their focus is on inexpensive quick solutions our approach was actually much more robust uh, more expensive than than most of the lower IoT grade products you see out there but what they what they're not able to do is actually factor in uh, the evolving regulatory regulatory landscape over the coming you know, three, five, 10 years. So we've actually future-proofed the technology so it can actually go on the whole journey right through to 2030 and beyond, understanding how building performs in relation to ESG, uh, how the regulations will actually change around actually how buildings are evaluated from their rate sustainability rating. So because we have particular powerful quad four computer in there and our software approach and our approach to being embedded within the fabric of the building you know we have that access and visibility to the real performance of a building um, and we're able to support that over a period of time so we went for a much more if you like commercial grade solution for uh, an affordable housing market
1: and we, you also spoke about the need for data. And you're absolutely right. In so many industries and in impact investing, uh, this is a classic challenge for us as well, that we need to have the data to be able to strategically deploy capital to where it's most needed. It's across sectors, across industries, this need for data. How do you see that um, being able to be Resolved in the future, it 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 is the major challenge. I believe in sustainability at the moment.
2: The solution is quite simple. You really need to understand. You know, it, it, you see it in other markets where you understand the assets and how they perform, um, and you ha- and you have detailed reporting on on their performance, and you can understand and evaluate. You know, how is your uh, asset performing um, in line with your own directives, your 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 fundamentals. The built environment just doesn't have that data yet and so having uh, access to that data you know in GRESB or you know impact kind of reporting formats that actually communicates you know the assets performance uh, how it's being used how it relates to its you know the community you know all, all of those different metrics which inform on uh for the landlords how to maintain the property uh, where the property' is performing well how you know is is there an instance that's going to uh, cause damp and mold is there a fire risks is there a leak you know water leaks you know all, all of these different metrics at the moment when it's when you think about it it's the most expensive assets that we have none of that data is readily available so the plethora of technology solutions you're seeing come to the market are the plug in devices for leak detection. Or the plug-in devices to measure the energy, you know, but none of them had take a kind of a holistic approach. so it's quite it's very fragmented. So we've got this kind of robust fabric embedded approach, which is much more holistic, and you don't just it's not just about monitoring the energy and performance, it's also then being able to use AI to inform that energy and performance as well. So by, for example, understanding what the weather, the climate is outside, And whether somebody, you know, how somebody's using a building on the inside, you can actually have an intelligent approach to uh, room-by-room heating or lighting. You know, alternative at the moment is, you know, room-by-room thermostats. But they're better than no room-by-room heating control, but they're still relatively dumb because they've got no understanding of the external climate and no understanding of whether someone's actually in that room or not that's just like one tiny example and so if you are responsible for you know 50,000 100,000 properties you need to understand how all of your different assets are actually performing and have visibility over the ones that are falling into the at risk brackets you know at risk from water damage at risk from damp and mold at risk from you know fa- faulty appliances causing fires and At the moment there's no visibility of portfolios risks and you know and you'd expect that that you'd expect that it would have that visibility so we're really trying to say look we've got this much more robust approach um and the 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 whole platform the technology and the way the data is captured and delivered it's all about understanding the risks in those assets and how to improve their performance
1: so I believe that what you're working on is transformational for the built environment market. Uh, so, if you were to have the missing data that you currently don't have, what do you believe could be built with that missing data?
2: The the main difference is understanding the impact of what we're building now. So when when we're designing, uh, you can take the large some of the largest. Um, Engineering companies in the world that inform on actually, you know, the way buildings are specified and designed, the materials they use, the heating systems they, they deploy. At the moment, they run computer models on the predicted performance of those buildings. And, you know, we, we, we partner with some of the biggest ones in Europe. And we know that, you know, they typically would over spec by, uh, something like 140% the required if you like building management system all of the m e uh so that you know they're comfortable in the knowledge that they're going to be able to uh, create an environment that's suitable for the occupants but that comes at the expense of being massively over specified so if you actually had the real knowledge of and that's that's a commercial grade so imagine at smaller buildings commercial buildings you know under ten thousand square foot which is actually the dominant Part of the market and then down into residential, you know they've got absolutely no visibility really. And so if you had knowledge, you could save a huge amount on materials. you could look at how we actually design the buildings in the first place to make them more efficient combinations of materials. Uh, you know, so combinations of materials that actually are proven to be more uh, efficient in different climate types. you know maybe it's a typically humid environment. Cold environment, you know, different environments, materials will perform differently. There's no visibility over that. Uh, So, the biggest impact would really be how do we build in the going forward uh, based on understanding the impact of uh, the materials and designs we're actually creating? And then also for what's already been built, what's the strategy for upgrading those buildings based on the exact building type and location, not just a Cookie cutter approach where um, you know you just apply the, apply the same thinking to every building, irrespective of you know its current makeup and where it is.
1: Right, because there are probably quite a lot of buildings that need to be upgraded. Yeah, um, uh, but that goes into the regulatory space also, and so there's quite a lot of I would say conversations that have to happen uh, or partnerships that have to happen, but between the regulators, probably the Large and small players uh, to be able to really build a, a very strong net zero pathway. You bring up such a good point, Lee, because we often don't think of our own homes as unsustainable. So, if we're able uh, to build a stronger pathway towards net zero uh, through all of our own own homes, we can build a sustainable future that we're looking for.
2: I mean that that that's exactly the case and it's it's interesting we don't look at our own homes in that way I think because they're you know such a big uh asset that we either rent or and have little control over how it's constructed or or operated or or we we own that it's hard to think of how it can transform but being you know four times the largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions it's you know it is an area that needs a lot of attention More than 50% of the homes that we live in are actually well below standard and, you know, quite um, uh, carbon intensive. And so the reality is, though, we can actually use, you know, it is possible for our homes to reach the point where they are from a performance perspective, at least because they're already constructed from a performance perspective. They can reach net zero. But it's it's, you know, at the moment, the infrastructure isn't there the 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 will or the business models to actually have it deployed is only just evolving and that's one of the things we're we're looking at which is why it's most appealing at the moment to the build to rent market or you know the living sector if you like um because when you are owner operator of large portfolios you have a vested interest in the performance of those assets and so you're more likely and more inclined from a commercial standpoint to actually invest in helping those assets become, you know, reach net zero, when you know, if you're a tenant, uh, maybe within a council government, you know, affordable housing or something like that, you 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 don't really have the ability to transform the property you're in into something that's net zero. You know, you're reliant on the landlord, and so there's a really interesting dynamic there. Of you know, do you own your own property, and you know, it's not inexpensive to transform your property into net zero. And it's not even easy to know exactly what solutions you need to deploy in, in order to get there, because the data isn't available and there's lots of conflicting messaging and, and wild claims from different fragmented providers like solar panels, battery storage, uh, electric vehicle, charging, insulation, you know, everyone has different claims. Trying to devise a solution for yourself, it, it's really difficult and often quite expensive. So there is a big challenge, uh, particularly around the business models, around knowledge and understanding. Um, but that's why we're at the moment, we're particularly focused on the living sector, which includes built to rent, single family homes, care um, environments, hotel rooms, um, because the operators have a, have that vested interest in seeing their portfolio reach net zero. And so that's going to be the driver of that market. You know, they will help if you like direct and create the blueprints that uh, homeowners can then look and learn from, and you know copy.
1: So, would you say, Lee, that there is a responsibility there for the portfolio managers of building net zero investment strategies uh, to be able to lead the marketplace in terms of what is expected for net zero pathways for all of the assets in their portfolio?
2: absolutely and i th- i think they're doing that because they're because of the regulations and the um parallel between buildings that are not sustainable and lower yields on on rental income higher maintenance costs you know generally higher management and running costs the assets are becoming um liabilities uh you know they're they're naturally being compelled uh following the fundamentals to want to upgrade and make their buildings more sustainable because the yields are much higher and more stable and it's actually turns uh their portfolios into you know a more valuable and secure asset that you know is where it's is where they're heading so you do have a a good alignment now between improving sustainability is making more financial sense and and that you know is being backed by the regulation which is why you know fund managers portfolio owners of properties will be now themselves driving and looking for solutions to to help them achieve that
1: and alongside with the regulators and um, making it clearer of the benefits and um, towards the pathway to net zero i believe that we can build the portfolio strategies to support the environment Uh, towards sustainability in the built environment. And so how do you see the pathway in the market going forward? Um, There's quite a a lot of market volatility in the moment. You you spoke a bit about that. Um, And how do you see this intersection between the regulators, the larger portfolio managers and asset owners um, and the private markets? And how can there be a type of environment that uh, all stakeholders are working together to build a more sustainable pathway towards net zero and the built environment? I
2: I think the idea that they would um, work together is is a tough one because historically the uh, developers, uh, landlords, portfolio owners uh, haven't tended to... Uh, innovate or do anything with the property stock unless they have to you know there's there's been a real resistance to change because why change when i've got uh, uh an existing portfolio and i know you know i i've got predictable returns and um i don't need to invest you know unnecessary funds where i'm not sure what the potential impact might be and i don't and no one's forcing me to do it so it, it's it's But we've reached a point where actually what we're seeing is lots of companies, big companies, um, insurance companies uh, moving into property development where they're looking at developing net zero buildings and then um, renting those to the housing associations. You're looking at utility companies, energy companies moving into property development. And they're creating uh, portfolios of properties where they're offering occupants free uh energy for their lifetime. So they're dri- they're driving towards exceeding you know quite farly uh, exceeding sustainability requirements from a building regulations perspective because their biz- business model is building um the most sustainable properties that can perform in a net zero way and using that as an attractor to uh appeal to their market of you know tenants looking for a zero bills living experience. So there's there's all these kind of different um activities uh a, a pilots going on at the moment everywhere you look. Um you know so you've got energy companies becoming property developers, you've got insurance companies becoming property developers. Uh you've you've got existing portfolio owners really reevaluating their own portfolios and and trying to understand, you know, how, how do we basically get rid of some of the liabilities Uh, if the building's just not sustainable to even upgrade, it's actually better to just uh, uh, remove that from the portfolio and for the rest of it, how do they upgrade it? So it it really feels like such a dynamic period. I think the next three years you're going to to start to see, because it obviously takes time for these, projects to come online, but in the, within the next three years, you're going to see many different business models around uh, this this drive towards net zero because it's, it, it's now making financial sense for the owners and operators.
1: So it's been proven that there is no trade-off between financial returns and positive impact and it, striving towards net zero in your portfolio. So I believe that as we have the regulations that make it easier for asset owners and portfolio managers um, to clearly see uh, that, that there is not a trade-off, then uh, they can start to support the assets in their portfolio um, and in, in a much better way, in a much supportive way that really allows their capital to be deployed more strategically uh, toward the net zero transition. Lee, so where do you see the future of My Global Home within this transformative environment and constantly changing space? My,
2: my Global Home uh, will operate under a platform uh, called PropCode. So PropCode being the platform where um, the data is uh, made available via a logbook for each property. So what, what we see as being because we can basically accredit a building's performance in real time so at the moment it's you know they're they're typically graded once every 10 years or you know if a property is being sold you you need to have it um graded for its sustainability rating uh we're able to through our technology basically accredit a building's grade in real time and so we see ourselves as supporting you know this transition towards net zero in a way that enables uh investors and owners to really understand their assets so we're kind of um uh they you know a benchmark for responsible uh, uh investors lenders and property owners to you know looking to to better understand and manage their portfolio risk and you know we see ourselves as a good partner for those organizations
1: Well, this has been a very inspiring conversation, Lee, about the future of the built environment and the transition towards net zero. So thank you very much uh, for being a guest on our podcast. And um, it's really exciting uh, to see the technology that you're working on uh, that is really set up to transform the space for the net zero transition for the built environment. So
0: thank you, Lee.
2: Thank you, Asha, it's a pleasure.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening to the ImpactVest podcast, transformative global innovation in a new era of impact. Join us next week for another episode and become part of our ImpactVest newsletter community where you will receive all of the latest updates about our work in this new era of innovative impact finance. See you next week as we create the future of finance at ImpactVest.